Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA Superfan. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Anyways, that's my story of why it took me an hour to get here today. <laughs> too bad you missed that, Pat. It was pretty funny. <laughs> she didn't want to tell it while I had the uh, recorder turned on because she knew I'd put it on, on the she, air. She would. She would. She, put she, it. Would. she absolutely would. There's, there's no secrets in podcasting. No, nope. there are not. <laughs> absolutely not so i mean that's usually how my luck goes because you know i'm dog sitting and when i left work i was going to go there straight after work on friday yeah and then i'm like well i can finish you know i've got like three chapters left of this book that i've been trying to read for months and it just doesn't keep my attention long enough like i can finish that tonight i forgot my book oh jesus (laughs) so then this morning i'm like all right well i'm going to take my computer i can work on the website and i remember my computer and forgot my mouse oh thank so you so it was like okay pat talk to me so i can look at the levels Ah, uh, here i am it took me two seconds to get here because i never leave my freaking house uh- <laughs> i've been in a twilight binge or midnight sun binge oh, god pat help me <laughs> me too I know, Vonnie and I have been lost in the world. I, I can't hear you. Are you talking? I'm almost done, and I'm a little sad that I didn't read it slower. So I know that there's going to be more Midnight Sun. Hold on. Pat, can you hear us? I can hear you. Oh, yeah. She's, we, it, probably because we were all trying to talk. She keeps, you keep cutting out. Uh-oh. No, I think, it's, I think it's us. I think when we're talking, it like only lets one voice through. Yeah. Well, that never happens. Sometimes, yes. Well, I guess I can't have you break in and save me when these bitches go on for 10,000 freaking years about Twilight. I'm in the middle of Midnight Sun, like literally 55% of the way through. The only thing that I don't like that she did is she keeps throwing pomegranate seeds in there every once in a while. What the hell's up with that? It's on the cover. I know why. It's in the book. Oh, well. But it's not in Twilight. No, because it's... It wasn't in her first version that she... She added the pomegranate stuff yes, into. Did. Oh, by the way, we get the, the author. We were talking about that before. The author gets the option of changing. Well, yeah, she has every right, but years. because she didn't finish the original in the first place, so she. No, the, she I, I think the pomegranates were definitely like a after. It's a stretch. It's. I, a, I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but it's just kind of. A very is that something you can reason? share with somebody who really doesn't give a shit about Twilight? Hey, we I'm have probably a lot of people you. that like Twilight. I'm not talking to you right now. That's <laughs> hey, did you see Pat? Can you see this? That's something that I, it's just she, blaringly obvious we, that she's trying to tie we, in the we can't the picture. Cover. We, yeah. we can't yeah. we can't hear Pat. She keeps trying to comment and it won't let her because these bitches won't stop talking about Twilight. I said, maybe she's got a sponsorship from the pomegranate growers of America. <laughs> How many product placements do <laughs> Product placement. <laughs> maybe. That's it. That's product but placement. But I, I don't want to give any spoiler, but did she change the post-Port Angeles outcome from the manuscript, the leaked one? I feel like what happened... Yeah, she changed it okay, a little I th- bit. Okay, I she, thought so. She did. We can, I don't want to give spoilers because I, I hate say, when people do that shit. Yeah, but you can't. I felt like I was telling Martha earlier, I was like, I feel like there was a totally different outcome after 
the Port Angeles um, than I, there is in the current version. I think she added some stuff that was in the movie that wasn't in the books originally in the yes. Port Angeles because I remember lines in the book from the movie that wasn't in Twilight or her leaked version. Hmm. So, back and changing the books after the movies came Well, out? she the, the original, the way she did it is she she started writing it online didn't she no it got it got got leaked leaked. she was working on this this retelling of twilight from the perspective of a different character and this is before the movies came right yes she was working on this and then somebody leaked the manuscript and she said well fuck y'all i'm just not gonna release it now and she pulled it for like 15 years yeah yeah And she just finished it just because all the fans wanted her to finish it because Twilight fans, let me. Yes. Yeah. Let me specify for you. We've been begging and plead. Every time she would like announce something, they were like, when she announced like the host or any of her other books, everyone's like, Midnight Sun? Midnight Sun? Is it Midnight Sun? Yeah. (laughs) So. I'm in Martha's camp with that. When she was first bringing them out, I was at a sci-fi convention and they were giving away the first chapter of Twilight in your like registration bag of goodies. So I read that and went. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think you had to kind of be, for me, I was just too old when it came out. And I think that I just, there was too many eye rolling things for me because I was just too old for it. It It's too teeny boppery. I read it when I was 30. Okay, so maybe that wasn't it. I think maybe you're just not young at heart. Maybe like we Pat, are. Pat, do you think I'm young at heart? No. Same. Shit, you're a lot younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I think it just dep- I don't know. There was just something about when I started reading them that just like sucked me in. It did. I read the first chapter. I was like, oh my god. I don't know if I loved the first chat. I think I I got to like the van almost hitting her scene in the books, and then I was like. I'm in like listen when I very first read Twilight I was so anti-vampire because I used to have reoccurring nightmares when I was a little kid of night of vampires so I didn't read any of the Anne Rice books I didn't watch interview with a vampire which was extremely popular when I was in high school yeah or any of those because I would have nothing to do with vampires and I worked with this one lady named Jennifer who was extremely younger than me, I will admit. She was like 20 and in college. And she's like, you need to read these. They're so good. They're so good. Because we used to talk about books. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't like vampires. I don't read about vampires. She's like, no, you just, you have to. They're not like regular vampires. You need to read it. And so finally, just to shut her up. sparkly. Just to shut her up, I did, and then it was over. And then it was over. I really want to go as soon when I finished Midnight Sun, I because I purposely did not reread Twilight because I didn't want Twilight to be too fresh. Right. When I read Midnight Sun, so I will probably go back and read Twilight now once I finish Midnight Sun and be able to like. You'll have to tell me about the comparison because I see some differences. Yes. You guys can talk about that off the podcast. <laughs> and you can also cut this out. You edit the damn thing. True. You have you the ultimate. You are like the god of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you but you know, I have to be nice to the other possible Twilight fans That's true. that are out there. It is a book. It is true. She is an author and it is a very popular a book popular. right even if even i if don't, you like, don't it. like it and hey. that's, you've you've taught me some things over the years 
a lot of things actually but i do agree though i think some of the line i I need to reread it to see if the lines that i'm thinking of were lines in the movie that she's changed to put in the book to kind of link them a little bit more or if i didn't give the movie enough credit for staying closer to the book than i originally thought if those lines were in the original book and they worked them into the movie how do you do that how do you how do you parse out certain lines i mean because there's like iconic things like that are in the movie movie. that's not necessarily in the book oh so it's things and not lines no it's like lines like him saying like you're my own personal brand of heroin but i think that was in the first book too i think that was i think that is in twilight but he's like there's certain lines in the movie that have become kind of iconic that i haven't read the original book that's the iconic line no there's many but like yeah cat the line that fell in love with the lamb. I don't think that's in the original book. No, I think that is. Is it in the original yeah. book? I'm going to, I'm going to reread. So we'll, com- we'll, we'll compare. Tell me an iconic line that comes to your mind, Pat. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> see? See? <laughs> that's an iconic line for you right there. Anybody know where that comes from? Nope. I, <gasps> I know it, but I can't place it right this second. Peter Benchley's Jaws. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Everyone remember where we parked. Hmm. Everyone remember where we parked. I've said that about 10,000 times, so I'm, I got nothing. Oh, oh, that's from, uh, but that's a movie. Star Trek Four. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can never remember if it's Voyager Journey. Oh, <laughs> yes. I know I saw that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which one. <laughs> But yeah, but there's a lot of, like in any fandom, there's like iconic things. Like, uh, that's true. And you know, she might have done it too because there might be people who are reading Midnight Sun who's only watched the movies and haven't read the books. Ugh. Because I know like from mm. people at work, because somebody was asking me about the book yeah. at work because me and another lady have been talking about it, me and Cindy, and a lady named Aspen came over and asked me about it and she, about Midnight Sun and all she's done is watch the movie. She hasn't read the books. Oh, she needs to go read the books. So I told her, I said, audio, do audio. There's like a, I've been on hold for Twilight on audio for like a month and a half. There's gonna say, you're just going to have to, on hold. You, you're yeah. just going to have to suck it up and buy an that's, audible copy if you want it. Well, and that's the, actually the original time. Like, so I used to go to the library in Columbus a lot when I, cause it was within walking distance of my first apartment. And then when Twilight kind of blew up, and I really wanted to read it. I was like, oh, I'll get it at the library. And I went to check out like the physical book from the library. And it was like, you're on hold for this book for the rest of your life. And that is when my book buying obsession problem yep. started because yep. I went and bought the, all the books. And then I was like, oh, I can just buy all the books. Like I can have this great bookcase and like all the, and that, but, and that's because I couldn't get it from the library. So I was like, hmm, just start buying books. Listen, we used to move every other year. Books are heavy books are very heavy <laughs> yeah just ask my movers what they think of that uh, what the, do you got in here rocks the, the first time i tried to <laughs> yeah. like move on my like pack and move on my to own fair, yeah <laughs> right first time i tried to pack and move like mom came over and helped event at some point because she's like the master packer but i'd use like a medium box or a large mm-hmm. box and like filled it with books and mom was like what in the actual hell is wrong with you you've got to use small or b- actual book boxes yep. she's like yeah. the movers will not pick that up <laughs> Well, they will pick it up, but they will bitch yes. the entire time. They're going to throw it on top of the thing that says breakable. Yeah, like the Christmas ornaments. I had a beautiful copy of The Hunt for Red October. It was published by a naval press. And so there was a very tiny, relatively, number mm. of copies printed. 
And so that was at that time, the Holy Grail, and I had a copy of it. And when they when I took the stuff out of the box, they ripped the freaking jacket. Oh, oh no. The movers ripped the jacket because they packed us. Oh. And after that, I was like, you know what? You assholes are not touching my books. Yep. That reminds yeah. me of something that I, I thought of when I was watching TV. I was watching a commercial. And have you seen the commercials of the guy who like teaches people not to be like their parents after they purchase a house. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. All right. Well, I was watching one of those commercials, and there's a guy reading a book with a cover that's all like, you know, military and has a big submarine and everything (laughs) on it. And he's reading. He's like, who else reads books about submarines? And he's like, my dad. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) That is you. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Damn it. There was a video of a girl I saw online that was, she was like, I don't want my husband to know that I have like a Twilight obsession. So she switched the jacket cover (laughs) to like one of his like military like strategy books. And now she's like, fuck now he wants to talk military strategy and his obscure <laughs> lieutenant because he thinks i read the book <laughs> and she's reading oh, midnight no. sun <laughs> yeah, that's funny every time i listen to the podcast and i hear vani talk about world war ii books i want to i want to be able to talk back to the podcast to ask you if you've read all the light we cannot see oh yeah i have i think that was like the most beautiful book i ever read it was i liked it too I think she reviewed it on one of the early ones. Yeah, it it was a long time ago that I read it. I'm working from the present podcast back, and I've only gotten through about 30 of them. There are 203 now, so uh, 204. Yeah, this is 204. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have it on my shelf. I just haven't read it yet, but it looked... It's good. I I knew it was one that when I heard a couple people talk about it, I was like, I got to buy that. One author that you reviewed last week commented on the post. Oh, did she? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and was like, where can I listen to the podcast? This what? is great. Really? Who, which one um, did you review last week? Um, uh, you, 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 me, and us. us. Me, I think you, it was and her. us. Well, that's cool. Yeah. She yeah. said, love this. Thank you, smiley face. Where can I hear the podcast? It was a good book. I mean, I actually, after, as soon as I finished reading it, I gave it to the other reader in the office and she read it and she said that she cried throughout the whole book because she loved it that much. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. And she's usually like a um, Danielle Steele kind of reader. Mm. She reads like those kind of books. I'm sure Martha's a big fan. (laughs) I'm trying to be nice here, Pat. You're not making it easy. Listen, reading a book is reading a book, whether it's Danielle Steele or Ken Follett. I'm a book book. snob, but for different reasons. It's because the kind of books I read are never and will never be as popular as all of those books. When I was teaching, I had like the hardest question anybody ever asked me. It was, it was just like an, uh, it was a short story class, I think, up in Sheridan. And I had this old rancher who was taking the class. Mm-hmm. One day he said to me, why is, he said, I love Louis L'Amour books. And he said, why is that not considered great literature? And it was like, <laughs> I had no good answer other than, you know, well, they haven't stood the test of time yet or some, you know, typical English teacher bullshit. But it was like, if they mean something to you, it's a good book. Just read what you like. Read what you love. You know? That's absolutely right. Yeah. And and the people people who look at my list go, God damn, she's weird. 
I can't believe she likes this stuff. But and that's why I, a lot of times we talk about how a review is subjective. Oh, absolutely. You know, giving a review is is basically pointless because you don't know what people are gonna like. Right. It, at the end of the day, they're gonna go, "You like that?" So I've got a friend who loves. Well, actually, I know a bunch of people, mostly guys who love World War II books. Uh-huh. She's doing. This one friend of mine is doing a cool thing. We do these, our community theater here does these things with, in conjunction with the planetarium. And we take like a sci-fi book story and adapt it to perform it. And Mm -hmm. he's reading one, he's taking a World War II, and I don't know what the story is, but he's taking a World War II submarine story and adapting it to be a, a space story where they're, and it's, I think it's gonna be really cool. Martha, it's Dob that's doing that. Perium. Oh, cool. Space Nazis? Dob is the, probably the only man that I know that I don't despise who owns German Nazi memorabilia. Well, I mean, so long as he doesn't believe the same thing they believe, you can have the memorabilia. I was gonna uh, say, there's probably a lot of Nazi memorabilia and attics in this country from people that yeah. brought it back. Yeah. Soldiers that brought it back that people don't even know what's up in their attic. Mm. Well, I actually did not do a World War II book this week. I did a World War I book. Mm. Whoa, she's changing up changing the wars. It up. <laughs> Watch out. That will be disappointed in me this week. No, I think he'd probably dig the World War I one too. Well, it's it's kind of a girly book. Oh. I don't, okay, not girly. Let me change that. It has a strong feminine presence there you go. in my book. This book is called Lost Roses by Martha Hall Kelly. And this is a prequel to Lilac Girls that I've reviewed on this podcast before. And anyone who's read Lilac Girls, or if you remember from my review, one of the main characters in Lilac Girls' name was Caroline. And she was the woman who lived in New York City and um, did a lot of charity works that her mom had started. And when, and she just continued her mom's charity work. Well, this is about her mom. Oh, nice. And Caroline, or Caroline is about 12 years old in this book. So she's in the book, but she's a little girl still. And for anyone who remembers one of the charities that her mom does, and it's mainly for Russian women from families who were thrown out of power when the revolution happened in Russia. Mm-hmm. When they ousted Zach. When they ousted the aristocrats. So the rich people got knocked out, and this was to kind of help them out, which I kind of have mixed feelings about. Yeah. Did they deserve everything that happened to them? No, not really, because the Bolsheviks were extremely cruel. But they also had been very crass and pushed these people down into the point of the revolution that they fought back. So like I said, mixed feelings, because when you repress somebody for that long, eventually they're going to rise up and take over. And you know, Mm -hmm. if you're an asshole, sometimes I'm being repressed. (laughs) (laughs) What is that from? (laughs) From Monty Python. Oh, I was like, I feel like I've heard that. I can't place it. Except for I did a really terrible British accent. (laughs) How am I supposed to do a serious book when you're quoting Monty Python over there? Sorry, I can't help myself. So Caroline's Caroline's mom's name is Eliza Faraday. And Eliza Faraday is friends with um, a 
lady named Sofia Strashnavia. She's a cousin of the Romanovs, and the Romanovs are one of the aristocratic families who are kicked out of power. She actually goes to St. Petersburg right before the revolution and and everything else, and her and Sofia are kind of writing letters back and forth, and all of a sudden, Sofia's letters stop. Oh, no. So... Um, Eliza doesn't know what's going on and she's, you know, trying to find out information and everybody's like, dude, you're not going to find out information. They're in the middle of a revolution. Nobody knows where anything is. And um, I'm not going to say like how, because it's going to ruin too much of the story, but Sophia ends up in Paris. Mm-hmm. And one of the times that they had kind of visited each other and like spent time, it was at... <laughs> Eliza's apartment in Paris. So Sophia is trying to get to the apartment. But of course, they won't let her in. They don't know who she is or anything because obviously Eliza's not there because this is also during World War One. So there's no travel yeah, back and forth to France. Yeah, there's a lot of shit time. going on at the time. Yeah, so it's almost like World War, t- World War One is almost like a backdrop to this story. It's more about the revolution than it is World War One. Oh, that's kind of interesting take on it. But you everything you know shit is all is more difficult because world war one is is going on yeah so pretty i'm not going to go into any more detail because i'm going to give too much away (laughs) but it's just about like eliza's trying to find out what happened to her friend and it goes into details about what these women of the aristocratic families went through when they were thrown out of power because they obviously didn't have any of the luxuries or the money that they were used to. They couldn't say who they were or else anyone of the Bolshevik party would like immediately. You'd be toast. Kill you. Pretty much. So yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. I enjoyed it and has very strong feminine leads, which I liked. I don't know if it's one of my favorite war books that I've ever read, but it's, it definitely was not bad. I would definitely give it a four and a half. And that was called Lost Roses by Martha Hall Kelly. Lost Roses. For some reason, at Blue Roses, Pleurosis comes to mind. Pat, you might get that reference. Glass Menagerie. Yep, very good. I was Thank like, you. wait, I know this. Why do I? Yep. yep. We did Glass Menagerie when I was in For college. For some reason, that whole thing just led to chain reaction in my tiny little brain. That was a good play. It was. Ms. Greiner, I'm really interested to see what you're going to review. I am going to talk about a book that came out, oh, I think about four years ago, uh, by like one of my my writer heroes, Margaret Atwood. Oh, love Margaret Atwood. Yes. And it's called Hagseed. It's a book that was... Uh, some, I think a publisher in Britain, I'm not sure actually, I should have done a little more research, but they commissioned a bunch of popular contemporary writers to write novels with plots based on Shakespearean plays. And Margaret Atwood took The Tempest and turned it into this book called Hagseed. And it is, it, I mean, a lot of Margaret Atwood stuff can be really dark. It does not give you a lot of hope for the human race, but uh, this one is funny. And it's uh, it's about a guy who is the director, his name is Felix, and he's the director of a theater festival in Canada at the beginning of the book. And as things open, he's just getting 
deposed. He's run this festival for, I don't know, like 10 or 20 years, I think at least. And he has an assistant, Tony, who turns out to be like a bite, backbiting, backstabbing little twerp who gets this guy deposed from his job so that he can take over. And Felix was, Felix had been happily married. He had a daughter who was four years, well, his wife died short in childbirth. And then his little daughter died when she was four. And he is in the depths of grief. And he was planning a production of The Tempest to kind of pull him out of this. Um, his daughter's name was Miranda, who's of course the only girl in The Tempest. And so he gets deposed and he goes off and he huddles, he, he basically just goes into full retreat and becomes a recluse, rents this somewhere between like a cabin and a hut in the middle of nowhere. It's off the electric grid and he, and he's living there by himself, except he doesn't think he's by himself because he talks to Miranda's ghost all the time. Granted, this does not sound real cheerful so far, but it actually is <laughs> because he, he, the only thing he does other than talk to Miranda's ghost is follow the careers of this guy who deposed him at Tony as the festival director and another guy who's like in the government as the minister of culture. And he's the two that he blamed for his, all of his troubles. And he plots a way to eventually get back at them. And so after nine years of, of hanging out in the hut, he gets a job teaching English at a prison uh, and he convinces them to let him teach English by producing a Shakespearean play each year um, and casting the prisoners in these roles and they, they do it for the prison population. And after four years of doing that, the program is really successful and the prisoners love it and they're, they're gung-ho. And so he finally says, we're gonna do The Tempest. There's, Generally, they do the histories and the tragedies because the more bloodthirsty it is, the better the prisoners like it. But he says, no, nope, we're going to do The Tempest this time. And he figures out a way to extract his revenge on these people who have ruined his life. And to, to say too much more might, might ruin the, the, but it's the production that they stage, just the description of it. I mean, granted, it's in a prison, but... There are a lot of drugs. There's a lot of craziness. <laughs> and it ends happily, at least happily for Felix. <laughs> and I have to say, Pat, that there's a reason that we're friends. This does sound like a very, I mean, I've already good, read it. But it's a you book. I've already sure. read it and liked it. I just didn't review it for the podcast. But when Pat suggested that she was going to do this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love that book. Happy in prison. No, yeah. it really was good. I, I especially liked the way the prisoners reacted to the casting and all of yeah. the different things that went on there. And the characterization was just phenomenal. Of course it was. It is. And what the title, the Hagsey title, with each play that he teaches the prisoners, he makes a rule that they can only swear in Shakespearean swear terms. So <laughs> with the new play, they make a list of all of the... All I don't the, give thy fuck. <laughs> that are in that play and Hagseed is one of them. It's, you know, the, the spawn of a witch basically is what, <laughs> what it means. And so that's <laughs> where the title comes from and people are Shakespeareanly cursing throughout the book. And, and it, it really was a funny book. I'm gonna just start calling people Hagseeds. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Just put that in my little backpack of knowledge back there. Yeah, put it in, in the toolbox of swears. Like, yeah. Get away from me, you Hagseed. <laughs> Did you see that chick? She's such a hag seed. God. 
I used to have a Shakespearean insult generator on my phone before I <laughs> changed phones. I totally forgot about it till just now. <laughs> I need that app. I don't know if it still exists, but it was pretty funny. It should. So um, I'm, I'm guessing you'll give it a four or a five. I'd give it an absolute five. Excellent. One more time for us, the title and artist. It is Hagseed by Margaret Atwood. Nice. Awesome. I, I didn't explain anything about who you are, and I should do that because not everybody's on the Friday night call. You uh, should be on the, everyone should be on the Friday I, they, night call. They should be, but not everyone is. If they'd like to be, they can go join the um, Three Book Girls Facebook tribe. It's a private group. You can join that, and then you'll, you'll be able to find the link to join us on Friday night for a, an extended book discussion. I'm on because you guys make me feel guilty. Yeah. Everybody should be on there. There's no excuses. I'm like, I'm I didn't on say there. that. Yes, you have. You have said that before, not talking to me directly, but you were saying it. There's no excuses. There's no excuse not to be on it. Midnight Sun was my there. excuse to not be on for the first hour. <laughs> so <never> anyway. Friday <laughs> night, then drinking and talking books. I know. So Pat and I have been friends since 1991. God, you know a date? Well, I know a date because we moved to Casper in 1991. Yeah. So I became involved in the community theater, and Pat also works in radio. And for a different station at the time than I did. And we became friends. Of course we did. And uh, friends forever. Yeah. Yeah. She's even married to my other best friend in Casper. Even... Even after my dog tried to eat her child. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Oliver did try to eat Dylan when he was very young, but we stopped that. And, and thankfully, Dylan lived to tell the tale. There was no bloodshed over that incident. <laughs> no blood, no foul. She just had a dog that really hated kids. So uh, that does happen. Yeah. That's also on Twilight. He was the perfect dog <laughs> for me. Yeah. Pat has no children and does not apologize for it. But she is nice to my child, which is a good thing. He loves you. He thinks you're the best. Because we've been friends forever, we all, she's also one of the founding members of the Dungeons & Dragons group that I've been a member of since the beginning of time, practically. And, well, the beginning of time is the beginning of time for Casper, you know. So those are all my peeps are. That's probably covers most of it. Most of the stuff that we would want to put on the radio, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some things that probably shouldn't be shared to the general public. Does she also have gnomes in her front yard? Is that what you're saying? Oh, <laughs> our upside down pineapples. You know about that, don't you, Pat? We're just teasing. Lumps in the front yard? No, gnomes. gnomes. No, I have, I have no gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> Did Martha try to put one in your front yard? <laughs> well, you said that she was married to your best friend. <laughs> How good is this friend? Oh, no, come on. Oh. <laughs> We're not swingers, okay? I'm just kidding. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway. Um, I was in the backyard, but only because I was missing a couple of wickets in the croquet setup. And so I used pink flamingos for wickets. I put that up. That's me. Oh, I oh that's that. a good use of pink flamingos. About the only one, I think. But the same dog that tried to eat Dylan one day decided to kill the pink flamingos and he ripped their little throats out. <laughs> oh, and no. I do believe I do believe we also have video of that very same dog uh, desecrating the corpse of a, a Barney, a talking oh. Barney. God, that was funny. We, it was a 
a white elephant Christmas thing and someone gave me a talking Barney doll. And so we gave it to the dogs and let them, let them just tear it apart. And <laughs> the part was listening as they're ripping it and there was nothing left but the stuffing in the voice box and it still was going, I like to play with you. You're my favorite friend. <laughs> As it's just stuffing in a voice box. God, that was a great. That was that That'd was be a the great best video. prank to play on somebody. Just have the Barney voice box and figure out how to like remote it and just like set oh, it in their house God. somewhere. Watching the dog tear Barney to shreds was is one of my favorite memories. Oh, God. <laughs> oh good times. It's amazing. It was let's kill Barney for Christmas. Yeah. Yep, that was a delicious time in my life. Okay, Megan. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm going off off um not too far off my norm but a little off my norm i'm going to review two doctor who short stories that are in one nice little book Ooh. uh because i'm a huge doctor who nerd and i saw this book and it's really pretty and i bought it a while back uh, and the two stories are the silent stars go by by dan abnett and then the second one is touched by an angel by jonathan morris uh, so the first one is The Silent Stars Go By, and this is the 11th Doctor, so this would be Matt Smith era for those who watch Doctor Who. Uh, so he is adventuring with the pawns with Amy and Rory, and they're trying to go somewhere specific for Christmas, and if you know anything about the headcanon of Doctor Who, they never end up where they're trying to go. Mm-hmm. So they get out and they're like, oh, you landed really well. Cause that's also the running joke is that the doctor can't land the TARDIS very well. And then they get out and look and the TARDIS is like leaning on a snow drift. And they're like, eh, maybe not as well as we thought. <laughs> At least it was soft. It was soft. <laughs> yeah. We, we sort of landed. And so they're looking around and he was like, I don't think we're where we thought we were. No shock to anyone there. So they start trekking off to figure out exactly where the hell they are in space and time. And if they're even on earth or where they are. And they are going and they separate because Rory decides he's cold and wants a jacket. So he goes back to the TARDIS, which if you've never watched Doctor Who, it's a time traveling alien, basically. But he looks like a human. Uh, And the TARDIS is his spaceship. Which looks like a phone booth. A phone booth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or British call box. A police box. Yeah. Yeah. Police box. A a blue police box. So Rory goes back to get a jacket because it's cold. And uh, Amy and the Doctor continue on their merry way. And, of course, all things, when they separate, bad things happen. So they end up, the Doctor and Amy end up in the town. And there's lots of weird things going on in the town. Like, people, or at least one person has just disappeared. And, like, the crops aren't doing very well. And it's that time of year where they typically have a festival, but everyone's a little on edge because the planet is getting colder. And they don't know why. And so it's 2020. It might be. Um, So the planet is getting hotter hotter, in 2020. So it couldn't. That's true. Um, But so they're. Sorry. 2021. (laughs) 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So they. The townspeople. Mini ice age. Maybe. The the townspeople are like, who the hell are you and how did you get here? And so they're immediately suspicious of them. Think they're like witchcraft and just not having it. And they're kind of out there and then Amy's like where the hell did Rory go like he should have been back by now so they kind of start going back towards the TARDIS Rory's like gone missing of course he has because Rory's always the one they're looking for 
So Rory has been taken by another group from the village, if I remember correctly, um, who are out looking for the missing girl. Okay, don't tell too much. No, I'm not. Okay. That's all early on. Um, But we find out later on that the planet is not changing naturally. Dun, 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 dun. And so it's not changing naturally. There's more people on the planet surface than we know about originally. Mm. And they're, they are somebody we, if you follow Doctor Who, you have encountered before. Mm. Um, who are kind of an interesting, I think you're kind of a fan favorite, which is why they have their own little standalone story. Uh, so you, you re-meet some people you uh, know, well, not necessarily people or whatever. but Meet some new creatures you might have known before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doctor but, Who's got a bunch of them. Yeah, there's lots of different creatures. Um, so you kind of re-meet them or meet them for the first time if you've never watched Doctor Who. And it just kind of goes on and the, the, trying to figure out why, what's going on on the planet. Because it's not, I will tell you, it's not Earth. Okay. So we're on a different planet. And about why the why we're on this planet and what's happening to it and how long has it been happening and all that kind of stuff. So that was a really fun one. And then the second one um, that is Touched by an Angel. I'll give you one guess on which villain that is. That would be the Weeping Angels. It would be. Of I course. love the I Weeping That was angels. one of my favorite storylines in Doctor Who is the Weeping Angels, which are stone angels that they don't move unless you stop watching them. Yeah. They're basically the ghost from Mario. Like if you're looking at them, they don't move. And as soon as you close your eyes or blink... They can move towards I actually you. have a shirt that from Doctor Who that says don't blink don't on blink. it. Don't blink. Yeah, yeah, I love that. If, you, if you're looking for a great episode to watch to learn if you like Doctor Who, watch I, that. That one. Yes. yes. And it's just called Blink. And that was David, David Tennant. David Tennant, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I had one of my coworkers watch that because she was like, I don't understand this Doctor Who thing. I'm like, I got the perfect episode for you. So she came over and we watched it and then she was like hooked. Yeah, that's. I do believe that was one of the, well... David Tennant was the one that really got me hooked on Doctor yes. Who. But. Yeah, David Tennant's fantastic. I also love Matt Smith equally, but in different ways. As usual, uh, things are going wrong from the minute that they land. And they, the Doctor has the timey-wimey thing that goes ding that basically tells him when there's things out of whack in the universe. And so they are drawn to this guy's apartment and... It's, I don't want to give too much away because it's kind of a real, it's, it's, but basically the, we, the weeping angels, their magic, their power is that they move you. They get energy when they move you through time. So they don't kill you, but they can, they use that energy of them moving you from like present day back to like world war two to feed. And so they like to uh, disrupt people's time pattern. And by doing that, so there's a, and this is in the synopsis. So there's a character, uh, a husband and a wife, um, and the wife is killed in a car accident. And the husband has mourned for a very long time, which is understandable. And he gets a mysterious letter that all it says basically is like, you can save her. Well. Mm. That sounds very Doctor Who. It is very Doctor Who. So Doctor Who. Yeah, so... He's trying to figure out, like, what the hell? And, of course, he stumbles upon the doctor because the doctor's following his his little detector that goes ding. 
around and it just is kind of the escapades of what happens if you change events in history and if like you change this event does it change this or does it change that and it's they're running around trying to like make the puzzle fit which is very normal for doctor who uh but and it's so fun and it's again rory and uh amy pond and the doctor and the entire time i was reading it i could just hear matt smith voice in my head as i was reading it which just made it super fun um for me i even like pulled up a video because i was like oh i haven't heard his voice in so long i need to be able to hear it and like read it and so (laughs) i would have done the same thing with david Tennant, but i hear i can his voice sticks more for some reason but it was it's one it was a good fun read especially if you are a doctor who fan it sounds like Doctor Who episodes. It kind of is. It kind of is exactly like, here's episodes we never made into a show, but yep. we're going to like mm-hmm. put them yeah. in story form. There's a lot of them in the library. Yes. I mean, a lot of them. I think them. somewhere they said this was like number four. One of these was like number 46. I yeah. wish they would put Doctor Who back on Netflix so I, I can know. watch it. I miss, I miss Doctor Who. Well, now the BBC has its own streaming service, so that's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, everybody has their own streaming service. I know. I do miss Doctor Who, though. A lot. I was sad when they took it off. They're renewing again for like three more seasons, two more seasons I saw online hmm. with the current doctor. With, I know, um, but I don't get, have any of the streaming yeah, services that have it. I haven't watched any of the... Oh, she's so good. I love Any her. of hers. God, I need to watch Doctor Who now. Uh, that was The Silent Stars Go By by Dan Abnett and Touched by an Angel by Jonathan Morris. And those are both short stories for Doctor Who. I feel like you talking about Doctor Who is like when you dangle a carrot in front of a donkey to make them walk because I can never watch it and it's just right there. (laughs) I'm going to totally switch gears, guys. You're going to do World War II? Uh, Nope. (laughs) I'm going to do something very different for me. Romance? No. No. It's very different, though. Why? Um, No. If we just keep guessing, stop we'll guessing. Get it. It's not you're not going to get it. it. It was actually a book that had been recommended to me by Morgan, our friend in Lubbock, who has the book club. And they had this book for their book club. And it's called The Logger Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradle. I really did not think I was going to be able to get into this book because when I started reading it, it just seemed so ordinary to me. It's about a bunch of really ordinary people. I think that's a really good way to put it. Reading about ordinary people is in its own way difficult because you you sort of have to settle into the rhythm of their life and sort of start to share in what they think. This way of easing us into it is particularly fun for me as I'm a pie lover. And Pat knows this very much about me because she makes a fantastic pie and she's always tempting me and tormenting me by not only making good pies, but beautiful looking pies and posting pictures of them on Facebook. One of the main characters in this, we start out learning about her. She works in a local nursing home. Edith works we meet her in this nursing home where she works several days a week in the lunchroom and she makes pies in the lunchroom and her specialties are some of my favorites such as strawberry rhubarb pie of course and an apple pie and it talks about how it's one of the 
let me see, I think it's a niece of somebody that lives there has been visiting during the time when she makes the pies and they submit her to this contest and say, this is one of the best pies in Minnesota. Well, she ends up becoming famous for her pies, even though she doesn't, she works in a nursing home. And so people start trying to come to, they can only come to the nursing home if they know someone. So they start getting recommendations from the people who are the residents there. And that's their way of getting in to get the pie. And of course, the nursing home starts to make money off of it. Well, in the meantime, Helen, uh, or not Helen, but Edith is really kind of struggling. You know, she's she's got her own problems, but she's so nice. She's one of those those stereotypical Minnesotans who are very nice. And yes, there are a lot of them. But she, you find, find out that she does have a background. Of course she does. Her family grew, she grew up on a farm and her father was a farmer. And her sister, Helen, is the one that ended up profiting from the family farm and taking the proceeds to start a brewery because she was taking care of their father when, when, when he died. And the sisters haven't spoken for years because of this problem with, with the, the inheritance. And so you sort of get the entire backstory of both Eden, Edith and Helen throughout this time. And you know how I love it when there's a thread that's a common thread that goes throughout. And with this one, it's the beer. Edith's granddaughter ends up coming to live with her because her parents are both killed. And she ends up working in a brewery. And she doesn't even know her aunt, who owns one of the biggest, most successful breweries called Blotts. And if you know anything about beer in Minnesota, you'll know that there was an actual beer called Blatt's. So, so knowing that and having drunk the worst cheap beer on the planet, in, in my opinion, Blatt's, uh, when I was a teenager, um, that was another connection for me. But is, it was really interesting to read about the brewing process as my husband is a home brewer. I'm also, I also know a little bit about it from that standpoint. But the, the story itself, I totally got sucked into, even though it's a bit of family politics. The, the thing that really carried me through, though, at the end of the day, was the beer and people being passionate about beer and making beer. And at one point, the grandmothers get involved in making the beer. And there turns out to be a strawberry rhubarb beer that comes in at some point. And it, it, it was just really one of those books it was a nice book. It was nice to read. It was comfortable. It was totally not stressful at all to read, but yet it didn't have any romance in it. And it didn't have any eye rolling, just basic bullshit in it, I didn't think. I really enjoyed it as a very relaxing read that also had a lot of really depth and meaning to it. The only thing that I, the only critique that I would have of is I didn't think they made as much of the ending as they could have. The ending wasn't a perfect ending. Um, 
Not that there is any such thing as the perfect ending, but I, it could have been better, which is why I didn't give it five stars. And my also uh, second criticism was that I was very hungry for strawberry rhubarb pie before the whole <laughs> thing was over, which of course really pissed me off because I didn't have any fresh rhubarb. And then my husband came home from Minnesota and guess what he brought? <gasps> rhubarb. Yes. So then I got to make a strawberry rhubarb pie and all was well with the world. And the good lager queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradall got four stars from me and probably should have been four and a half stars because it really was a fairly good book. Nice. Awesome. Very good. How is just cruising around overdrive? Cruising. Cruising you around make that, You make that sound filthy the way you say it. Cruising around? Cruising yeah, around cruising. overdrive. It's because she's got Ken Follett up on her screen. I can see it from here. She's having fantasies it's, about Ken Follett again. It's the next Pillars of the Earth. The pre-release comes out September 14th. So guess what that means? I'm going to have to read that whole series. Oh, oh no. Jesus wept. You've got to be kidding me. I just checked out the first one. <laughs> God. Have you ever heard of this, Pat? It's a phenomenon. Oh, where she goes back and reads everything in the series? She goes back. Yes. Well, there's there's barely any connection between these books. It's like 200 years between each one. So it's, it's not like not the characters that. are that connected. But they're like the grandchildren. They're like the grandchildren and the ascendants. And I want it to be fresh in my mind. And I love the characters. So she goes back and reads a thousand pages of Pillars of the Earth. And a thousand pages of, what's the second one? Fall of Giants? No, Fall of Giants is the other series. Oh. The point is, she goes back and rereads every series. I'll probably reread the Fall of Giants oh. after. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, had to I don't go know in. why you have time. I had to go in and look and see how many books do I had. Do you listen to them on like 900 speed on audio? Like, how do you do it? No, but I listen to them all day long while I'm at work. Uh-huh. So I can, I can listen to eight hours, especially a book that I've already read before. Yeah. Because it's familiar, so I don't have to stop it as much to do, like, you know. To pay attention. I suppose that's a good point. I didn't think of that. My office is the first one in the line of three. And so people just like to appear in my office when I'm having to pause all the time. Yeah. Like, Mm. they'll come in, and my coworker's name is Jay, and his office is next to mine. And and he's very, he's in his office, but not often, like, that often. So I've just started getting really snarky with my responses when I have my audiobook on. They'll be like, do you know where Jay is? Like, oh, it wasn't my day to babysit. Do you know <laughs> and they were like do you know where jay is i was like oh he found the gps tracker i put in his shoe so he threw it away sorry <laughs> and they all just look at me and i was like stop asking me what? <laughs> i was like you have his cell phone text him <laughs> like what floor are you on <laughs> that's about like when uh you're a little kid and your mom says tell your brother to come down for dinner and you go mike, mike, mike yeah. come down for Yep. You're like, I could have screamed. I could have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was just real annoyed. It wasn't even like, I was being just snarky. I wasn't super annoyed the one day, but it was like four people in a row. Do you know where Jay is? Do you know where Jay is? Do you know where Jay And I was like, you're interrupting my audiobook for Put, put a sign question. on the door. No, I don't know where Jay is. I thought about it. <laughs> Next time when somebody comes in, go, Jay, Jay, are you here? I don't know where he's at. I don't know where he is. He's not here, obviously. Well, and the most annoying part is like, they're taking time out of what they should be doing to walk to the basement of the hospital to find him. Just send him a text. 
You like, probably passed him <laughs> somewhere yeah. on the seven floors of the building. You, t- you should tell him, I think he's on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Try I, there. <laughs> I think he is actually up on your floor right now looking for you. This <laughs> <laughs> line I've heard today and, and Bonnie's thing about the traffic and trying to get there today reminded mm-hmm. me. I've been listening to a Bill Bryson book on audio. Mm-hmm. And talking about being stuck on a slow train in England mm. and his about that was it was like rigor mortis with scenery oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's the best that's the best line ever that's funny i like oh that god. where were you with rigor mortis with, with scenery, scenery. <laughs> that is that's quite good that's good. Quite good. That's the best. Quite. <laughs> oh, I love Bill Bryson, though. Oh. Being stuck on the train, though, is the worst. No, being stuck inside during a fucking pandemic is the worst. No, no being stuck. No, being stuck on the train because there's no food. There's no, like, you're just stuck on the train. No, at traffic when it's completely stopped because people have to stop and look in an but accident. But that ends at some point. <laughs> So right. Would, so would a slow train. It would. I'm eventually talking get about a, this pandemic is much more frustrating. Mm. How long have we been inside now? Of course, you get you guys go to work every I, day. I don't. You know, I'm not sure, but I could have sworn we've been inside for like 12 years. It feels like 15 <laughs> at this point. I got excited yesterday. It was like, oh gosh, my my bin of plastic to recycle is full. I have to drive it over to the recycling depot and drop it off. I can leave. <laughs> You know it's bad when you're excited about trash. Right. <laughs> the trash is full. Woo! <laughs> but what's more frustrating is all the people who just keep going out like ain't nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Sturgis, huh? Pat, you're going to go to Sturgis? Oh, well, I go every year. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, you're over at the Buffalo Chip Campground in the vegetable contest, aren't you? Yeah, the strip, the strip thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a super spreader event. You yeah. hide and watch. I just like the excuse not to have to be around people. It's ter- not terrible. Like, oh, I can't, oh. you know, COVID and stuff. You mean you don't miss me, you bitch? I we see you every week. Avoiding yeah, me. I see you every week. I haven't been shopping forever. I do I miss shopping. I tried to go buy a new book and nowhere had it. I might have to like get online because it was the third book in the one of the series I re- reviewed. And I went to the local bookstore in Edmond and they're like, well, all of our spring meetings were canceled. So like, she's probably missing a whole bunch of new releases. I'm like... Hmm. Really? I, I need to go visit our friends at Full Circle because I bet they could hook me up. I bet they have it. Mm. Yeah, I bet you they do. I need to call down there and be like, do you have it? I have several ones that I want to order now. I need Axiom's End. And the one I just finished that I'm going to review next week that I really wanted to review this week. Oh, my God. It was so good. It won the Nebula Award this year. And Ooh. it was fan-freaking-tastic. What is it? It's called A Song for a New Day. And I'll, I'll, I'll gush about that next yeah. week. But I think the book I'm going to review next week is the future-ish book. Maybe we can have a week of future. No, Bonnie won't participate in that. Is there a, fu- is there a World War III book? No, there's not. <laughs> My book that I'm reviewing next week is about spies. Oh, spies. It's about a spy network in World War One. Hmm. That's interesting. Not... Yes, it is. It's female Triple A. Oh, I was going to say Triple A would love that. Maybe I'll review my... Maybe I'll review a different one. 
Either way, I'm going to match one of you. It's a female spy book, so. Hmm. I'll so decide. I'll flip the coin. No, you'll like down. it because one of the characters like reminds me. It, it reminded me of you in about 30 years. Reminded me, you of Martha or of me? Martha. Oh, okay. Because it's this crass old lady who answers the door drunk as a skunk. Woo! Well, she had a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Which no, wouldn't I would never have you, a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. Like maybe like a pipe or something. Would you smoke? A- Just call me Martha. Wait, what book? What book is it? Well, Pat, you better get to reading because we're having you on again. Oh, this was fun. I thank you guys. Of course. Now you got to go back to uh, getting excited about trash again. (laughs) Now that you're (laughs) done with this trash. (laughs) (laughs) We're the trashiest broads you know, right? Trash and, you know, I think about three book girls and I think about moving rocks. So that's... (laughs) Oh, that's right, that's because you've been, uh, that's what she's been doing. She's been moving rocks around in her uh, yard and listening to the podcast. Yep. Mm. Hey, you know, that means I we're love rock rocks. stars. We're we rock are- stars. <gasps> yes. We're rock stars in your eyes. Yes. Sweet. I can retire Bonnie's, on Bonnie's that. fixing her hair now. She, she, she got a good <laughs> That means we have to like, I don't know, shower every once in a while when we come Again. Rockstar. Are you kidding? Listen, rock stars don't I have to shower. You. I told you I've been watching the dog. I didn't have time to go home and change. <laughs> That's true. Rock stars don't shower. Their hair is no. greasy and nasty, so we're okay. They can do whatever they want. I didn't have time to do my hair either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging. I didn't shower this morning. <laughs> this is all a reflection of Bonnie's current presence in the room. <laughs> I turned the sound down on my dryer so it wouldn't be shrieking and interrupting us every five minutes at least it's not like your old dryer you know it would make this sound like this is like the the uh, the soundtrack of our sunday night D game it's kind of like the psycho music that <laughs> psycho dryer from hell well you know my dryer makes a sound because it's old and i bought it used and i've had it since tyler was eight Oh, Lord. And it sounds like somebody's, like, trying to land a jet engine. (laughs) Hold on. I have a video of Why do you have a video of your dryer? It's not the dryer. It's Echo barking at the TV, but my dryer was going at the time. Okay. Okay. Hold on. That's your dryer? (laughs) That's my dryer. (laughs) Sounds like the TARDIS. Oh, my God. Are you hoarding (laughs) with the TARDIS? Bonnie! If I had Mike Ten- or David Tennant or Mike Smith in my house, do you think I would tell you? If you had Matt Smith, you better tell. I don't know who <laughs> Matt, Matt Smith. Smith is. Sorry, <laughs> you greedy bitch! You've been hiding Doctor Who this whole time. Give me da- Matt Smith, damn it! Why do you think I'm having to go backlog to read? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not that note. That's gonna do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.